Scott Branson here from Silver and Black tonight, Mightier 1090. Are you on your way to have a fun time in Las Vegas? Well, if for some crazy reason you get injured in either California or Nevada, what happens in Vegas doesn't need to stay in Vegas. Sam and Ash Injury Lawyers are the people's attorneys and experts in both states. People, choose the right lawyer. Sam and Ash have an impeccable track record, huge wins for accident victims, and always take your case all the way even across state lines. They care, they help you win. The ones to trust if hurt in any sort of accident, Sam and Ash Injury Law. That's 1-800-304-2000. That's 1-800-304-2000 or samandashlaw.com. There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. Oh, yes, it is the 2-0 glow. That's right, the Raiders are 2-0. You're back here on Silver and Black tonight, only on the Mightier 1090. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten with you. Mo, let me tell you something. Raider Nation is fired up. They love being 2-0. I called it the glow. By the way, that's a John Gruden term. We'll get to that in a minute. But, Mo, 2-0. I mean, look, I thought 1-1 at best, maybe even 0-2. And here the Raiders are. They won two marquee games in the AFC. Yep, prove us wrong. I mean, (laughs) beating two quality teams back-to-back right out of the gate i know a raiders fan you know what's so weird about this <laughs> i would expect i, I kind of expected more excitement because there are people saying hey don't sh- don't don't get too excited because we were 2-0 last year and you you see what happened and i say look it's hard to win games in the nfl let yes. alone beat quality teams two playoff two playoff teams from last year celebrate those wins because you don't know how long this is going to last so take your high ride the roller coaster if you want because Wins are very, very hard to come by in the National Football League. They are. And, and that's the thing. I, I, I was interacting online with some folks, and I woke up the other day, and I see this long stretch. Because you know how we get, sometimes get tagged in arguments we have nothing to do with? <laughs> <laughs> and I see this argument of these Raider fans just going nuts back and forth with Bronco fans because the Broncos are 2-0. Of course, the Broncos have played two awful teams. But nonetheless, oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're arguing back and forth. And I just made the comment. I'm like, Raider fans, why are you even bothering? <laughs> like, who cares? You're 2-0. Enjoy it for a few days. And then when you play the Broncos, go whole hog because they don't like the donkeys. And I get that. But overall, I think you're right. I think fans got to enjoy it. And yes, I like I interacted with some folks and they're like, look, we've been here before. And I said, I get that, right? I get you've been there before. So you don't want to get overly excited. Now, Mo, I think some people are getting too excited and then I think there's some people who are still in the doldrums who think it's all going to implode no matter what. So they're just being Eeyore from Winnie and the Pooh, right? They're like, oh, boy, we're 2-0. and oh. um, So it's the, <laughs> the truth is like somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, it's like, hey, you should be cautiously optimistic and happy with being 2-0. and oh, But at the same time, don't think you're going to go undefeated. I mean, I mean, my fan days are long gone, and I, I, I'm hype. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm like, hey, man. 
two and oh is two and oh and to me and we're going to get into this later in the show i think two and oh this year feels a lot different than two and oh last year just because of the balance on both sides of the ball i don't think it's the Bingo. same as 2020 when you had okay gunther is a defense how's it going to hold up and this and this and that i think it feels a lot different this year and we will go into that again as the show goes on well and i'm going to play some sound here from uh from uh john gruden who on wednesday the coaches uh press conferences on wednesday and and Gruden was asked about that. Are you guys, you know, basking in the two and O? And here's what Gruden said. No, we, you know, we had a two and O year last year. You know, it's not where you line up; it's where you wind up. You know, this is re, it's it's a, it's a past now. We got a we got a long way to go. We still have 15 games. Somebody told me we're playing 17 regular season games. <laughs> you went by play 18 or 19 next year. Who knows? But um, not to be uh, sarcastic, but no, we. Uh, we want to win this game this week and try to stay in the hunt. Not to be sarcastic, but I'm going to be sarcastic. <laughs> There's John yeah, Gruden. Yeah, Gruden. Gruden the Grinch. There he there is. He is. <laughs> <laughs> He's a mean one. No, but I mean, that's the point, right? You can't you can't ever get, and that's my, my and I said this, it was so funny, Mo. Last year, I was, I was cautiously optimistic about the Raiders last year saying, look, I think they're going to be better, and they were overall. That stretch towards the end was terrible, of course. But I thought they would be better. But I told Raider fans this last year, and I'm saying it to them again here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090, and that is when you win, feel good about it. When you lose, don't get too so don't get too high and don't get too low. Because it, the NFL season, I don't know if you saw, there was a quote today from some uh, anonymous source that's a friend of Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer told this source that man, every week in the NFL for me is like getting ready to play Alabama, right? And from a college football perspective. And that is even the bad teams are professional. They have good players. And so you have to go each week by week by week. And that's what you heard John Gruden talk about. Yeah, and you have to take it week to week. And a lot of the, I guess, the level-headed fans that weren't too happy or too low, they were just kind of like, hey, man, I'm just going week to week. I'm just going game to game. Once, you know, take it one step at a time. Hopefully this team is better. I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm looking forward to the next next game. And I say, okay, I can live with that. But but like I said, if, if you're excited, don't be bashful about it. Don't be embarrassed to be excited about a win, especially if you're starting off 2-0 against two playoff teams. Enjoy the moment, please. But I do know, Mo, that Raider fans are extremely excited, and they should be, as is the rest of the NFL, with the play of Derek Carr. You wrote a piece earlier in the week up on VegasSportsToday.com about this MVP talk. And and I agree, MVP talk, okay, it's a little bit early, but that's what we that's how you kind of explain how well a player has done. And I think in Derek Carr's case, Mo. It really is deserved. I'm not saying he's going to be the MVP or even be in contention for it. I'm saying right now, if he plays like this through the remainder of the season, then he's in that conversation because it's been that good. It has been. And I think there was something I found strange on Twitter. There were two narratives going around. There were people that were saying, well, Derek Carr is playing on another level. Look at Derek Carr. He's mm. top five, top 10 quarterback. And then there was a group of people that said, what are we celebrating for? This is how this is what Derek Carr has always been. And I felt like I understood what that where that sentiment came from. Those people feel like Derek Carr has always been a good quarterback, and he has. But I think they robbed him of deserved praise because if you look at what Derek Carr has around him, he doesn't have some of the things that the supporting cast that he had in previous seasons. In the past, he's had a, a pretty good run game. He's had a veteran battle-tested offensive line. 
And Darren Waller goes off frequently for 100 receiving yards. He didn't have any of that when they beat the Steelers. Right. Darren Waller caught five passes for 65 yards. The O-line gave up 10 quarterback pressures. The ground game was non-existent, rushing for 2.1 yards per carry. Peyton Barber had one good run in that game, and that was toward the end when he ran for 13 yards to kind of seal it. But he didn't have he didn't have all of the stuff that people say he needs to win games. It was it was basically Derek Carr carving up the Steelers' respectable defense. And again, he's playing on an MVP level, but you also have to look at some of the obstacles he has to go through to play at that level. Again, he doesn't have the greatest offensive line. Waller wasn't that great. He wasn't 100 yards receiving that game. No Josh Jacobs, and still Derek Carr was able to put up a gem against the Steelers and lead his team to victory. Well, and that's that's the thing, too. And I agree with you 100% on that, by the way, because when you look at what Derek Carr has done, and I had this discussion with somebody uh, on the radio in Kansas City. I did a show, my good friend uh, Bink at Night in Kansas City, uh, talking about this. And it was about the fact that it's not just that Derek Carr has had everybody improve around him, like you said. That the, Oh, now he's got a defense, so that's why he's winning. Well, no. Yes, he's getting the ball in better position. Yes, the defense is getting uh, off the field faster. That's all true. But look at his pocket presence. Mo, mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the progression. I think the, the thing that people aren't talking about is he's in year four of John Gruden's system, and he seems to now have listened, managed. We saw a little bit of it last year, too, right, where in the pocket he was less stressed. He would he would step into the pocket. He would stay longer and take hits. Uh, and we saw it again uh, on, on Sunday uh, in the game as well. And I think that's the thing, too. Derek Carr is, seems to be much more comfortable confident in the pocket and oh Bo uh, by the way Mo he seems more comfortable with his receivers that aren't named Darren Waller absolutely you saw Henry Ruggs go off for that big 61 yard bomb to kind of seal the game and just and just talking about his wide receivers Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs aren't quite there yet they're not as consistent of course they're in their second year so they're still trying to find their consistency but the fact that he's able to find them in certain spots if Darren Waller is not open or if Darren Waller is limited is is a is an interesting development because now you can spread out the ball and now you don't have to depend on one player because when you look when you think about the Reds offense everyone automatically thinks oh Josh Jacobs Darren Waller you know that's where yeah. it starts and ends if you're not thinking about Derek Carr but now you got to worry about Rugs now you got to worry about Brian Edwards popping up now Hunter Renfro is getting back you know maybe Zay Jones will pop up for another game winning touchdown catch so the Raiders are now using all their weapons they're not relying on just one or two players and you like to see that from Derek Carr he's dealing like a car dealing you like to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, we're talking about Derek Carr, Mo Moten, Scott Cobranson here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. And let's let's put into perspective some of what's happening with Derek Carr. Derek Carr leads the league in passing 817 yards. If he gets 383, or wait, 383 yards against Miami on Sunday, he'll be the fourth player with at least 1,200 passing yards through his first three games of a season in NFL history. The other three... You'll, you won't be surprised by two of them, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, and the third is Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, with Tampa Bay in 2018. Not only that, Mo, but if you go back to week 16 of last year, Carr's recorded 325 passing yards in four consecutive games. If he does it again this week against Miami, he will be the fourth player in league history to
to reach 325 passing yards five times in a row. Uh, those names are Rich Gannon, of course, from the Raiders in 2002, Drew Brees, Kurt Warner twice. So you're talking about some guys and some company there that Derek, Derek Carr uh, would be with. And so that shows you how well he's playing. I got in an argument with a friend of mine who's told me he wasn't playing that good. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I, if you don't like him, that's totally cool. But you cannot deny what he's been doing. And, and he's been doing this, Mo without a running game, right? And and the running game is a concern. And they asked, uh, actually, another clip here from John Gruden about the running game, uh, particularly in the last two games, which was not good. And here's what Gruden had to say about that. History on Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you know, call me and tell me the teams that have run the ball up and down their throat. You know, these are good run defenses. They're also defenses that are committed to stopping a run with multiple people on the line of scrimmage and chaotic blitzes. Uh, so you have to... Be honest with yourself and say, you know what? It's going to be hard to run the ball today. I don't care if we have Walter Payton or Jim Brown uh, in their prime. You know, it's hard to run the ball against certain defenses. And with that being said, you have to find other ways to move the ball. And right now we've improved a little bit in the passing game. We're not there yet either. But uh, against Miami, it's going to be a very, very difficult day throwing and running. And uh, the tape proves that. So, Mo, and I, I don't disagree with, with the coach there when him talking about how it's difficult to run against Baltimore, it's difficult to run against Pittsburgh. We knew that going in. But then you have the Josh Jacobs injury. You have uh, the, 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 the fact that the, the Raiders' offensive line, even though it's done well protecting Derek Carr because obviously he's put up big numbers and he hasn't gotten killed, but at the same time, the running game has to get going at some point. And there's a question now with Josh Jacobs out if that can happen. Yeah, absolutely, because I, I wasn't thrilled about the Peyton Barber edition. I know Gruden talked about he was excited for Peyton Barber, and I did say Peyton Barber had a pretty good run at the end of that game to seal the Steelers' victory. But if you're looking at the drop-off between Josh Jacobs and Peyton Barber, it's it's massive. <laughs> There's a reason that <laughs> yeah. Peyton Barber didn't make the Washington football team's roster. I believe Washington football team added a undrafted rookie over Peyton Barber, not to – dump on Peyton Barber, but let's just be honest, as Gruden said, let's just be honest about the state of the Raiders run game. And it doesn't look good without Josh Jacobs. I know you got Kenyon Drake in there, but it seems like they're okay with giving Peyton Barber the bulk of the carries, which I don't agree with, but at least I could say that the Raiders have the short passing game going where they can throw to yeah. uh, Kenyon Drake. And I think that works far better than the run game right now. It does as long as they can keep it going. And that's the question is if you can, if you can do that and execute that against the defenses you're playing, then it makes up for the lack of running game. But hopefully they'll address that and figure it out and get Kenyon Drake uh, going because I, I agree with you on that, Mo. I think he's the guy that got, uh, has to get going for them in the running game. All right, we're going to still talk about football. We're going to talk a little bit about high school football now. I woke up this morning and I read a story. I kind of do my, my news feed, if you will. So I was reading the sports story and I saw a story about high school football, but not just your ordinary story. I had to call up my friend Sam and Ash Injury Law because they're my attorneys and uh, because you deserve what's right, 1-800-304-2000 or salmonashlaw.com. Personal injury attorneys crossing state lines from California to Nevada. So, Ash, uh, thanks for being with us again on the show here. But I want to tell you, I read this story, and I, I woke up, I sent it to you, and I said, listen, here we have this young girl, high school girl, Lacey Kuiper. She was born with osteogenesis imperfecta type 5, which in layman's terms basically is a disease that makes your bones very brittle, okay? And so you can break your bones very easily. So she's a cheerleader at Truman High School in Missouri, 
and she wanted to cheer on the field for the football season. But guess what? The high school has said that she cannot go on the field because her wheelchair will potentially damage the turf. Not only that, but then she said also she wanted to do a basketball last year and they wouldn't let her do it on the floor there either. Tell me, what, do you see any excuses that this school can use to avoid a lawsuit or a backlash because of what they're doing to this poor young woman? Yeah, you sent me this article and I, I read the headline and I go, oh my God, oh my God, yeah. it can't be this bad. And I, you know, I read it and then it ends with the school and the school district saying, we can't fully respond and tell our side of the story because the parents have not waived certain HIPAA rights mm-hmm. uh, of the minors. So we don't only have one side of this story. That's always important when you're reading these news articles or any news article. Um, but yeah, so... One, she is already a cheerleader. She's not just a fan who wants to access to the field. She's on the team at a Missouri high school. And she's claiming that they won't let her on the field because it'll damage the turf or she can't be on the basketball court because it'll damage the the basketball court, which is odd because she's apparently on the basketball court all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a problem. If that's the excuse that they're using is we just it'll hurt the turf or you you're hurting the floor. That's going to be a very big problem for the school district. Um, because what they have to do is they have to make reasonable accommodations must be provided for someone with a disability and who could otherwise qualify to participate. We know she's qualified to participate because she's on the team. And two, the reasonable accommodations would be to, I don't know, put like a, a board or something down, which the father has said, look, I'll help. Um, I will make sure we don't damage the field. We'll do whatever it can. Um, but Scott, what I'm going to tell you is my other suspicion here is Mm -hmm. they're very nervous about having her on the field and in the line of danger on the sidelines. And that's a good point. And, and it's you know, funny, but you say that, Dash, because that's what I was going to ask you, because you look at a, a situation like this with high school football cheerleaders and you say to yourself, is this a case like you can look at it easily like, to your point about newspapers and stuff like that media? It looks like just a case of right. That's just wrong. You either do the right thing or you do the wrong thing. But there is a greater legal issue here. Yeah, and this is exactly, there's a situation here where the school's almost damned if you do and damned if you mm. don't, because if they let her on the field and then a play goes beyond the the, the sideline and she gets hurt and she's not an everyday average uh, high schooler, she's someone with a, a brittle bone disease. And mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a big liability for the school. And I don't know, high school gyms, they don't, they're not the roomiest on the sidelines. Those cheerleaders often have to get out of the way just when the when the play comes to their end of the court. Yeah. No, it's interesting. But let me ask you this, though, too. Does does uh, does uh, Lacey and her family, what about their side? of? I know we've only heard that side, to your point. I think yeah. that's fair. You have, to, you have to hear both sides. But do Lacey and her family perhaps have a case against the school because of what you mentioned earlier about making accommodations for her? Absolutely. If, if the story is, as we read in TMZ, um, they, have an, they have a claim against the school district for not making reasonable accommodations for her. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious to what the other side says, but if it is as we read, then of course. 
Well, and, you, and, and that's why my, my visceral reaction was, I think, what everyone's would be where you go to the right or wrong, right? Which is, here's this, this young woman who has a disability, and, but she's participating, and you, and you feel for her as a young woman in high school. But at the same time, yes, if an errant football or an errant football player that weighs 200 pounds comes flying at her on the sideline, um, you know, it could very easily end her life, perhaps. So there's, yeah, there's a lot yeah. to consider there. Yeah, absolutely. These are high-flying sports, basketball and football, um, and they, they exceed the, the traditional playing field or court often. And so I'd be curious to see how the school handled maybe a pledge to cheer at a wrestling event. Yeah, some something like that. Or if she can't be on the sideline, maybe there's a way for her to be near the sideline where they put her somewhere where she's protected. I mean, I think that would be, to me, a reasonable accommodation so you can have the young woman involved in something yeah. that she obviously loves. Well, yeah. you heard it here first from my legal team, Sam and Ash. They care. They help you win. Sam and Ash Injury Law. It's so easy to remember. Uh, like nothing else I've ever heard. I'm telling you, they are there for you when you need them. If you're hurt in a crash, call Sam and Ash. 1-800-304-2000 or Sam and ashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Ashley Watkins of Sam and Ash, thank you so much for being with us again. Oh, thanks, Scott. It's always fun. All right, back to Raiders football. Mo, we're about to step aside for a break. When we come back, we're going to be uh, talking to a good friend of yours, Jeremy Klump from uh, Dolphins Digest. Uh, And this Dolphins game has changed a little, Mo, because of Tua being out and because this team's been a little bit rocky. Yeah, newsflash, Jeremy is not... Maybe not high enough. Maybe I've talked to him a little. Maybe he's not that high on the Dolphins. We'll see what he says. Raider fans may like what he has to say, though. And when we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by Jeremy Klump. What do you think is going to happen with the Dolphins on Sunday out in Las Vegas? Are you making the trip out to Las Vegas? Let us know that, too. Tweet at us, SNB Tonight on Twitter, SNB Tonight on Twitter. We step aside. When we come back, we'll talk Dolphins versus Raiders only on Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 10 Night. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. All right, welcome back. It is a Friday night. We are talking Raiders football. Thanks for being with us here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. And of course, I have to brag, we are Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. Scott Branson along with Mo Moten. And we are now switching gears. We're going to talk about the game coming up uh, this weekend on Sunday in Las Vegas. That, of course, is 
the Raiders, the 2-0 Raiders, hosting the Miami Dolphins. And to do that, we're bringing in our good friend Jeremy Klump. He is the editor of Dolphin Digest. He's also a contributor over at Fan Fanatic. That's all with PHs, by the way. I just want to make sure I help with people's spelling. Uh, he's also contributed over at Fox Sports, Bleacher Report, and USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at NuttyXProfessor, which he'll have to explain to us. Um, that's NuttyXProfessor on Twitter if you want to learn a little more about the Dolphins. Jeremy, thanks for being with us here on Silver and Black tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, the the NuttyXProfessor, for those that don't know, my last name is Clump. There's an Eddie Murphy movie actually called uh, Nutty Professor the Clump. So I kind of just have ran with that nickname since I was a kid. And I actually met Eddie Murphy when I was a kid before. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, my last name's Clump. And he's like, no way. And I, I swear, I actually was lucky enough. I had my license and I showed him and I got a picture with Eddie Murphy with my license at him pointing at Clump. So that's why that I was awesome. I always know that. Yeah. So that's, that's a cool, fun story. That is a Thanks great story. On, guys. No, thank you. And, and, but the, by the way, there was a band called the president of the United States of America. They had a song called she's lump do you when that comes on do you write do you do you do you sing he's he's clump he's clump no <laughs> oh, no, man, no I'm, sure, I'm sure some dolphins twitter fans would try to maybe change the word instead of clump they'll use some, some negative words oh i'm sure yeah. Uh, yeah wait are you saying fans on social media aren't very nice come on uh i mean there's there's some that are nice but uh you Even, say the wrong thing that someone doesn't agree with and oh man well, it's scary out there oh, well yeah. jeremy you know how chill mo is because you you guys are good friends so oh, you i know, love mo, mo mo's the man and, and there's some people on twitter who try to really convince the world that mo is satan that's how crazy social well, <laughs> social media can be well, when you cover sports like me and Jeremy doing, we're objective. Yes. And we say things that people don't like, then we become sane. But when things are great and we say good things, then, then people love us. So that's yes. how it goes. Yes. Love then, oh, yeah. Like, I 100%. That is the best way to put it. Like, if the Dolphins are rolling and I, and I tweet something out, I can get like 800 retweets in a second. If the Dolphins are doing bad and I tweet something bad, I'll get like maybe 40 retweets. It's pretty crazy how it works. Oh, it is. All right. Well, let's jump in and talk about the Dolphins. And here's my first question for you, Jeremy, because I have been talking for years on our show about how, how much I, I, I love Brian Flores. I think he's one of the best young coaches in, in the league. I like mm -hmm. how the Dolphins have started to build their team, right? They go out and they get two, of course, who we heard at the top of the show, too, is out. We knew that earlier in the week that he's out with the cracked ribs. But there was so much excitement, at least from what we could tell outside of Miami, around this team. They were all, And they got off to a shaky start so far in these first two games. Uh, and you look at this uh, and you, you think to yourself, what's going on there? So give us kind of a, an overview, the 50,000-foot level of this Dolphins team, the expectations coming in and what we've seen through two weeks. Yeah, I think the excitement was real. I think it was deserved. Like, they, they deserved to be, you know, hyped up as they were. They had a good offseason. They made a couple moves. I mean, Will Fuller was a big one. He hasn't played yet, but he will play this game against the Raiders. Uh, it, it just – the big thing came down to the offensive line. I've been, I've been talking about it all offseason. People didn't want to hear me out. The offensive line is a question mark. Everyone expected all these young offensive linemen to take this huge jump and be these elite players. And that's just sadly not how the NFL works. And I tried to explain to people that, like, more likely than not, half of them aren't going to take the jump. And it looks like almost all of them haven't taken the jump. So that's their biggest issue. And, and Brian Flores, I think he's a great coach. But where he struggles the most is hiring other, other coaches. His biggest issue now, he is on his, uh, I think it's his fourth and his fifth offensive coordinator right now because he has co-offensive coordinators. And after two weeks, I mean, it's not looking good again. The offensive line coach is new again. 
so he's hiring and firing all these guys, and it hasn't seemed like he's been able to figure out his staff very well, and I think that's really reflected in the way the Dolphins play and how they, they look to be coached while they play. So that's the big issue for me. So I'll take it here, since we're talking about expectations and overviews. Now, we talked about last year they were you know 10-6, and six, surprise team. Had, what, what were your win-loss expectations for this season, and has that changed two weeks into the season after – Shaky start, can't score points, and Tua gets hurt. Has your have your expectations shifted a bit compared to what you came in with the season with thinking that the Dolphins were going to be this year? So I think it's a good question in a sense where I can kind of dissect it in a way. I wasn't really expecting the Dolphins to be very good this year because of Tua in a sense. I was expecting the Dolphins to be very good this year because they have a pretty favorable schedule. The schedule might not be like, this team's not good, this team's good. Like, the quarterbacks they play. When you look at the quarterbacks they play all season, they have a pretty solid defense, and they can get after these quarterbacks. And, I mean, Xavier Howard, in my opinion, right now is one of the defensive player of the year candidates again. So I just figured that the Dolphins will be able to win games defensively. My biggest question and concern was, will they be able to win games when they need to on offense? And at this point in time, I just don't know if they will. So I'm a little concerned that my prediction, I think I predicted them at, I want to say, I think I made them 11 and 6. I don't even remember. But somewhere around there. I, I predicted them to make the playoffs at the end of the time because I just looked at their schedule and it's like, I mean, they play some bad, bad quarterbacks. So we'll see how it works out. I just, I would say right now, I'm going to temper my expectations a little just because the offensive line has struggled so much. And if their offensive line can't at least block, like, one play a game it's going to be pretty rough for them they're not going to beat many teams their defense can't win every game they need to win games on offense and i don't know if they can especially with two out now Jacoby Brissett comes in it's going to be interesting to see how they are on offense jeremy clump the editor of dolphin digest and a contributor up at fan fanatic covers the dolphins is our guest here on silver and black tonight on the mightier 1090 and jeremy let's talk about that offensive line uh two of course got hurt you look at right tackle jesse davis he's been a disaster you look at left tackle austin jackson not playing well was this a situation where the dolphins just um, did not evaluate talent pretty well, or did they really expect this line to do more? And what are they going to do the rest of the way to at least try to improve with not a lot of talent on the street? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I think some Dolphins fans have this unrealistic expectation that the Dolphins are just going to magically fix their offensive line. I hate to break it to them. I don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, it is way, way too late in the game to do that. They're not just going to be able to trade some. Like I see some people like, oh, the teams that are really bad, maybe they can trade for their starting tackles. It's not that easy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just not that easy. I will say, a lot of fans do forget this. The Dolphins struck out big time at right tackle. I mean, Jesse Davis, I think he's a great person. Team captain, all the players love him. No offense to Jesse Davis whatsoever. He's just not a starting right tackle in the NFL. He, he really is not a starting right tackle. But the fans forget the Dolphins went and traded for Isaiah Wilson, former first-round pick, and then he ended up getting in trouble. They had to cut him and release him. They signed DJ Fluker. That's who's going to be the next right tackle, who played pretty well the year before. Then he ends up getting hurt. They had to cut him. They trade up, which I think is the most – this is the most bizarre aspect of the whole entire Dolphins offensive line. They trade up for left tackle Liam Eikenberg. They trade they – they overpay for him. And then they don't even play him at left or right tackle. They play him at left guard. <laughs> and then he finds out the day before the first game of the season after Austin Jackson had COVID. No, he found out the day of, I think it was, Sunday morning, that he's going to start left tackle after really not playing there at all. Plays okay, 
then instead of moving him to right tackle to replace Jesse Davis now, they've actually put him at left guard again. Now, this guy is an offensive tackle they drafted. They traded up for him, like I said, and now he will be starting left guard. That was their way of fixing it. They said they were going to adjust the offensive line, so they're going to start Liam Eichenberg at left guard. They're benching Solomon Kinley, which I don't understand. I think he was one of the better offensive linemen. I think you said it perfectly. Austin Jackson and Jesse Davis are huge issues, and Austin Jackson, man, I had the honor to uh, interview Richmond Webb, Miami Dolphins legend, former left tackle for the Dolphins. I mean, Blocker Damarino, one of the best Dolphins ever, should be in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, I'm not taking his words out of context. I'm, this is my interpretation of his words. I asked him about Austin Jackson. And just the way he spoke to me, I could tell he, he really wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to bash the guy. He's a great dude. You know, uh, Richmond Webb's a good guy. He's not going to bash him. But I could just hear the way he talks that, Oh man, I don't know if this is going to work. And man, oh man, it has not worked so far this season. So the offensive line is a disaster. Uh, Tua got hurt, obviously. I've been getting some, some heat on Dolphins Twitter right now because I don't think you can blame the offensive line in a sense because all quarterbacks get hit. That's just part of football. But, uh, yeah, the offensive line's a disaster. I mean, they can't even run the ball either. I feel like everyone talks about the quarterback getting sacked. I think their starting running back had five carries last week. I mean, they are atrocious, the offensive line right now. So I hear your frustrations about the offensive line. I actually saw PFF stats saying that the Dolphins allowed 55% pressures on their dropbacks. Most in the NFL, I think Jets were second at 52%. So I'm guessing your concern for the offensive line on a scale of 1 to 10 is closer to 10, but Max Crosby oh, playing like an all-pro. <laughs> well, is that correct? 100% a 10. 100% a 10. I mean, I uh, not to spoil an article I'm writing, but I'm writing an article that's dropping, and one of my bold predictions for the game is that Max Crosby will have three sacks against the Miami wow. I mean, he is going to there absolutely – everyone thought he murdered the Ravens. I'm, like, seriously scared for Jacoby Brissett back there. He is going <laughs> to get after him. I mean, the, the thing is, too, it's not even like the Dolphins are, like, locking on and getting beat. They're getting beat instantly. The play Tua got hurt, it's like Jesse Davis didn't even try, honestly. He literally didn't even touch the guy. He barely grazed him, gets in there and crushes him. Max Crosby has looked incredible. He's obviously, like, a really good player, but he, like, took his game to the next level this year, and I am seriously concerned for Brissett, man. He is going to dominate the, the Dolphins' offensive line. I told Jeremy before he came on that Raiders fans are going to want to adopt him as a, as a writer once they heard him <laughs> speak, and there it is. Because it's all he's good He's touting news. Max Crosby. Yeah, he's touting Max Crosby. They're, they're right. going to want to bring you over. They're going to want to bring you over to the dark side. Just be ready for hey, that when you get back on and Twitter. I, and but. I've been raised. <laughs> I've been raving about Derek Carr, too. I, you know I love Derek Carr. I'm a big Derek Carr guy, so good for him. So so talking about the quarterback position, I know two was out, and we just focusing on Jacoby Brissett, 15 starting games with the Colts in 2017 and 2019, basically uh, filled in for Andrew Luck and then replaced him after Andrew Luck retired. What are you expecting from Jacoby Brissett in this game, being that this is his first start? I know he had an offseason with the Dolphins, came over from the Colts, but – what exactly are you thinking? He, how is he going to play in this, in this game? Is he going to use those explosive weapons, Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller on on the outside? Or are they going to run the ball and try to play a physical matchup? Uh, I mean, it's really, really tough to even try to predict how it's going to happen, just because I really don't think he's going to have much time. Like, uh, I honestly would say that it's going to be a rough day for him. I, I don't want it to be a rough day for him because, like you said, he's got weapons. A lot of people don't understand. Dalen Waddle is the real deal. Trust mm-hmm. me, I've watched a lot of receivers play in the NFL. He moves different. He, he When the ball's in his hands, he's electric. Trust me, that guy's going to be good. Will Fuller obviously has the injury issues. He's got the personal problems right now. 
Uh, I mean, that's going to be something to see how it affects him. But he's got weapons. I just don't know if he's going to have time to throw the ball to those weapons. If the Dolphins' game plan is to try to hit the, the big play over the top, I mean, Max Crosby might have more than three sacks, to be honest. Like, I don't see how he's going to have enough time. They're going to have to try to run the RPO game, which, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, that's not really his his forte, but they're, they're probably going to have to try to hit the RPOs and try to do the quick passes to, to just not even let the pass rush affect the game. And running-wise, I mean, I just don't – the Dolphins have been so bad running the football. I was pretty high on Miles Jackson coming in this year just because he's a good all-around player. You know, he can run the ball, he can catch the ball. But their running backs have just been so bad this this year. I mean, maybe they should have taken Najee Harris at 18. I was against it. But, geez, I mean, they don't even have it, – it's not good. They have no explosive plays from their running backs. So, I mean, they're going to have to lean on Jalen Waddle. Maybe some screen passes to him. Hopefully they get lucky and break one. But, I mean, I, I actually uh, projected this to be a win for the Dolphins. I'm 100% changing that after everything I've seen and now that yeah. two is out. I mean, I really, truly think this could get really, really ugly in Las Vegas. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Again, Jeremy Klump, who is an editor at Dolphin Digest and a contributor up at Fan Fanatic, is our guest. And uh, Jeremy, while the, a couple minutes we have left with you, I wanted to switch sides of the ball and just get your impressions. I know you've written a lot about him, and it's easy to do that. Uh, and that's Xavier Howard. I mean, he's on pace for the 10 interceptions, I believe. The game he played against Stephon Diggs in week one was unbelievable. Uh, and I just wanted to get your sense for where he's at. And is he getting enough love around the league? Oh, he's definitely not getting enough love. I mean, Xavier Howard, like I said, I think I mentioned a little bit ago, he 100% deserves to be a defensive player of the year candidate every year. I think right now, I mean, obviously it's only two weeks into the season. I think he's the only player in the NFL with a forced fumble, fumble recovery, and an interception. <laughs> I mean, the guy just the guy just makes plays. That interception he had from Josh Allen when he was covering Diggs was incredible. I mean, he baited him, he trailed him, and then just jumped ahead of him. He is so good. And, I mean, the whole Dolphins drama with him this offseason was wild. I mean, the Dolphins should have paid him and never even let it get to that. But at the same time, maybe the Dolphins should have traded him because it's a shame. I, I don't see how he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year because I don't see how the Dolphins are going to be good enough for him to win Defensive Player of the Year. And it's a shame that they're wasting such a good player. He is so, so good. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of his. I love the way he plays the game of football. He always says he, he comes to work like a professional, and he truly does, man. He takes his craft real serious, and he's he's so good. He really is as advertised. That's amazing. All right, Jeremy Clump, listen, man. So so you're saying the Raider, you like the Raiders big in this game? I like the Raiders big in this game. I, I think that the Dolphins decided to uh, – did you ever see that meme when it's like that big glass water thing <laughs> to like pour yes. water out, and yes. then they slap that flex seal on it? I yep. mean, the Dolphins – they didn't even put flex seal on it. They just put their <laughs> hand on it, thinking that uh, Liam Eichenberg at left guard is going to fix their left and right tackle issues. They just have too many issues on the offensive line right now to win. And, and uh, their defense, they just can't – their defense is so good. But they, there's no way they can count on their defense against this Raiders offense. I mean, I don't think uh, the, the running back – what's his name? For some reason, it's running my mind. Uh, J- Jacobs. I don't know if Jacobs is playing or not, but even if he doesn't, man, I just don't see how they're going to stop them. Like, Ruggs is going to be able to get his, his touches – it's going to be tough for him, man. It's going yeah. to wear down on him. The, the offense, I don't see how they're going to convert third downs. I really do think this will be a pretty easy win for the Raiders, and 3-0 Raiders will be really cool to see. All right, there you go, Jeremy Clump. Jeremy, I know we're going to we're gonna have you on our Vegas show on Sunday, so we will talk to you Sunday, my man. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate you. Appreciate right. it, man. There you go. Jeremy Clump, you can check him out, again, at NuttyXProfessor on Twitter. All right, Mo. So you again, you know, Jeremy Klump. I know he's a friend of yours, a colleague of yours. Good job with that guest, man. I know Raider fans are going to love him. 
Yeah, he's out to take my job, clearly. <laughs> you heard all the Max Crosby praise. He loves he's Max Crosby. Blowouts. Yeah, he, he really does. He's praising Derek Carr, you know, so... I mean, obviously, he's the next Raiders writer on the come up. So you might want to just follow Jeremy Klump instead of me on Twitter. <laughs> That's your thing. He's going to do that, especially if you love Derek Carr and uh, and uh, Max Crosby, like you said. But, Mo, let's talk about this game. We talked about in-depth here with the Dolphins, with Jeremy. But the keys to, the, to, to Sunday's game, if you look at the keys to Sunday's game, the Dolphins are limping in here. So to me, one of those is the Raiders have to be careful not to overlook them or to, to take that uh, for granted that this team is beat up a little bit and that their offensive line is horrible but when you look at this matchup what do you like for the Raiders what do they need to do to maybe have a convincing win at home and feel good about being 3-0 and I think it's all going to fall on the defense because the Dolphins have a really good secondary Xavier Howard Byron Jones on the outside so I'm not saying Carr is not going to have a great game but don't be surprised if he maybe turns the ball over one time maybe doesn't throw for 358 yards uh, the Raiders may have to force the Dolphins to respect the run a bit. If that's the case, you, you hand up to Peyton Barber, you hand up to Kenyon Drake. But I also think, again, I think you have the short passing game, which I think worked well against Pittsburgh. You do that. But again, I think it's going to come down to the defense, possibly a short passing game. And the Raiders, I, I believe, get it done. I had this as a Raiders win even before the season started. I definitely has a, have it as a win right now. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think you're right. I think that the offense is, is, is the numbers that Derek Carr has put up through two weeks. And we talked about it earlier in the show, obviously. It's great. But I do think it's going to be tough. You, t- you, keep met, you mentioned Xavier Howard amazing player and that Dolphins defense is still pretty pretty good and so I think that the Raiders are going to have to grind it out on offense uh, I look at another low scoring game like we had in Pittsburgh uh, including the Raiders uh, I really do I think I think this might be the kind of 21-17 game we thought we might have last week it went a little higher than that but I really do believe the Raiders will win the game and I do believe that uh, they have to be careful that offensive line has to hold up for Derek Carr because the Dolphins will bring it and um, a turnover to your point that might eventually happen but I like to see I'd like to see the Raiders again spread the ball out. I'd like to see Brian Edwards stay involved. I'd like to see Henry Rugg stay involved. I'd like to see Kenyon Drake, as we talked about earlier too, get the ball a little more. I think they'll be able to run the ball a little more against Miami. I'm not saying a ton, but I do think you need to see some improvement there as they head into then an AFC West matchup next week. Yeah, I I think the Dolphins' run defense is vulnerable. Um, They'll give up yards up the middle. I also think the middle of the field with Darren Wall, I think he'll bounce back with a big game because you're not going to throw to the perimeter on the boundary with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. You can exploit the middle of the field, and I think that's that's what they're going to do. And you'll see Darren Wall rack up another 120 receiving yards, a touchdown or two. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. Uh, and, I, and I think that that's the thing. And the Raiders need to get stay healthy, first of all, too. I think that's, that's a key coming out of this one as well. Uh, well, we're coming to the end of the show. As always on Friday nights, Mo and I are here with you talking Raiders football. Make sure you follow him at Mo Moton on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. Follow us also, the show SNB, Silver and Black, tonight, T-O-N-I-H-T, on Twitter. And you can tell us what you think of the game as well. We love interacting with everybody on Twitter up there as well. Check out VegasSportsToday.com, our website, uh, and make sure you read Mo's work up on Bleacher Report. He does a ton of stuff, not just on the Raiders, but around the NFL. Mo, have a good week, man. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, hopefully at 3-0 for the Raiders. There you go. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbrands, and this has been Silver and Black Tonight, only on the Mightier 1090.
Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk.